Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This episode is part of our Minute CME curriculum. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives. Hi, this is Dr. Stephen Liu. I'm a thoracic medical oncologist at Georgetown University. And hi, my name is Afrat Rattan. I'm a GI medical oncologist at Fox Chase Cancer Center. And uh, we're today going to talk a little bit about NRG1 fusions. NRG1 is neuregulin 1, and we know that gene fusions are oncologic drivers. These are rare but important events that we see across cancers. And in my clinic, I primarily treat patients with non-small cell lung cancer. We know that non-small cell lung cancer can harbor NRG1 fusion, so they are uncommon events. Uh, Efrat, you also see these in, in your own clinic, right? Yeah. Um, so I treat primarily pancreatic cancer patients. And um, although these are very, very, very rare, if you dig deep enough, you can find them in pancreatic cancer patients. Um, and I think they're important to recognize and think about as we're treating these patients with very uh, difficult cancers to manage. And this is sort of a, a unique target. In, in lung cancer, we have a lot of different targeted therapies. And primarily what we're looking at there are constitutively active kinases. We're looking at mutations and fusions that lead to this receptor that's overactive. NRG1 fusions are very different because NRG1 is, is producing the ligand, which binds to the receptor. And it actually signals through the, the HER3, HER2 pathway. And that's why a lot of the drugs that we're looking at as potential treatments for NRG1 fusion cancers uh, involve HER2 and HER3 because they are part of the same very important pathway. The, the challenge for us, and you know, I know that we're both involved in trials in this space, really is detection. And these are, these are hard to find for a couple of reasons. One, because they're rare. Um, they're rare to start with. Um, but two, because not all of our biomarker tests are going to find these the right way. You know, in lung cancer, I think in the, in the U.S. especially, most of us are using next-generation sequencing. And people ask, can next-gen sequencing find an NRG1 fusion if it's there? And my answer is maybe. My answer is it depends. Right? What, what, what are your thoughts on that question? I agree 100%. I think um, there are two big issues that we struggle with. One is tissue acquisition. I think both of these diseases usually are in areas where it's not the easiest thing to biopsy. Patient sometimes has to go through multiple biopsies in order to get enough tissue so we can actually run all the tests that we want to run. And that's problem number one. Some of our colleagues Uh, will not push through for additional biopsies to really get all these results. But even if you have the tissue, you have to make sure that the next-gen sequencing is done in the most thorough way possible, including both DNA and RNA sequencing, so we make sure we don't miss any of these very unique and rare abnormalities. Um, And, you know, I can speak for pancreas cancer. This is a disease with limited treatment options, very poor survival. But when you find that one patient that has this fusion, this can be life-altering and really provide treatment options that change the survival significantly. So it is worth putting in the extra effort and finding these abnormalities. Yeah, I think that it, you know, in the current age, it's not enough to say pancreatic cancer. It's not enough to say lung cancer, lung adenocarcinoma. We, ra- we really do need to know 
the specific genomic signature because it's a totally different biology. It should be a different treatment. And in my mind, that kind of means it's a different cancer. And so if someone has a lung cancer and there's no other tests, I am not equipped um, to make the right treatment decisions. And so you're going to guess. And we really don't like to guess when it comes to the treatment of cancer. So the sequencing is important. Part of the challenge here is it's not just you know, checking a, a box. There are a lot of technical challenges with finding NRG1 fusions. The gene we're talking about, NRG1, uh, not to get too technical, it's a massive gene. It's a monster of a gene. It represents one two thousandths of the entire genome just by itself. <laughs> Most of that's intronic. And, and what that means is if the next-gen sequencing platform you're using is DNA, they are not going to have enough coverage to find an NRG1 fusion reliably. Once in a while, they might pick it up if it's a specific fusion partner, but there are so many different NRG1 fusions that if you're not doing RNA sequencing, you're really going to miss these. And, you know, some people ask, can we do liquid biopsy if we can't get enough tissue? And you can do liquid biopsy. We do a lot of liquid (laughs) biopsies, but liquid biopsy will not pick these up because liquid biopsies right now are DNA-based. We don't have an Mm -hmm. RNA-based liquid assay. So RNA sequencing really is the key. And so to, to our colleagues, to our patients, if they've had full profiling, they've had full sequencing, we need to be more granular than that. Was it DNA or was it DNA and RNA? Um, because that RNA piece is critical. And I understand it's a lot to ask because when a lot of us did our training, this was not part of our treatment, uh, of, of our training. We didn't need to know these types of things, but now we do. We need that kind of granularity. Um, and I think it's yeah. important. To, yeah. Oh, I was, I was just going to say, you know, it is important to think about this, but also important to think about this in patients that have clues that may point us to even this type of analysis being more important. So within pancreas cancer, we know that these type of abnormalities usually occur in patients with RAS wild-type tumors. I'm sure you all know uh, pancreas cancer, 95% of patients have a RAS mutation. If you get next-gen sequencing and there is no RAS mutation and the patient has pancreas cancer, do not stop there. There has to be some other abnormality that's driving this cancer. Check to see that RNA sequencing was done. Make sure the patient had complete next-gen sequencing and nothing was missed. Um, And I believe in lung cancer, there are some clues that we can use as well for this kind of screening. Yeah, primarily patients are non-smokers. Um, it doesn't mean you should limit your testing to non-smokers because smoking doesn't protect you from getting an energy one fusion. But if you have a non-smoker with lung cancer, absolutely. If you don't find anything, you have to ask yourself, did we look far enough? And look, you know, talk to your pathologist. Was this was the the sequencing done on a bone biopsy that was decalcified, which corrupted all the DNA? Was it a really necrotic sample without a lot of viable tissue? So we really need to look hard. It's critically important and. Now, for lung cancer, we know that, you know, if you have advanced lung cancer with an NRG1 fusion, the standard treatments are not very good. You know, we did a a retrospective assay that um, retrospective analysis looking at outcomes in NRG1 fusion positive non-small cell lung cancer. And if we think of our sort of most comprehensive treatment approach, a combination of chemotherapy and immunotherapy, this chemoimmunotherapy approach, in patients with an NRG1 fusion, the chance of response in our registry was 0%. No patients responded. Um, outcomes were very poor with standard therapy. Yeah, I, I don't believe there's such data for pancreas, but I think the RAS wild type is a really important clue in our uh, disease setting. When we think of, of treatment options, there are a lot of important um, things in, in development. I think what's most important to stress is that 
treatments can work. We've seen responses with lots of different therapies. And so it provides a lot of hope to patients with an energy infusion positive lung cancer for a fatinib, which is a pan-herb kinase inhibitor, an oral medicine that we use to treat lung cancer. There have been many responses reported. These are all case series. So we don't really know how frequently it works, but there are prospective studies now being run through ASCO and through a decentralized study um, trying to tell us What's the chance of response with a drug like a fatinib? There are also some newer uh, agents being developed in energy one fusion, some antibodies, right in front? Right. So there are um, two antibodies that are currently in trial. Um, the, I guess the one that has been recently, both have recently been presented at ASCO, but uh, the Xeno, uh, Xenocatuzumab uh, um, is an antibody that has basically two arms, one targeting HER2 and the other one targeting the binding um, area of NRG1. And by doing that, it prevents this dimerization of HER2 and HER3 and prevents the downstream signaling. Uh, and that study has shown significant activity both in lung cancer. Um, I believe there were over 40 patients with lung cancer on that trial and almost, I think, 19 patients with pancreas cancer. Um, so really uh, significant amount of uh, duration of response and uh, uh, and overall survival that we have never seen in pancreas cancer in patients who have been previously treated. Um, and then there's the Creston study um, that uh, uh, is, is also using um, an antibody. Yeah, and so serabantamab is a HER3 antibody um, that has shown some early efficacy. Um, both drugs have been labeled for sort of rapid development and review by the FDA. Um, and what, what strikes me about both serabantamab and zenicotuzumab, they're showing pretty dramatic responses in some patients with energy one fusion cancers across different fusion partners. And because they are pretty specific at their targets, the the side effect profile, the toxicity mm -hmm. profile has been very reassuring. These are very well-tolerated drugs. Has that been your experience as well? Absolutely. Uh, interestingly, we don't see any uh, cardiac toxicity, which we see with prior HER2 inhibitors. Um, and then uh, patients, I mean, really have no side effects. It's, it's pretty remarkable uh, to see that in a pancreatic cancer patient that is used to getting treatment like Fulfirinox. I mean, this is, you know, life-changing. So these are our rare events, Energy One Fusions. Um, they are impactful, though, and it really can make a difference in the optimal management. There are new drugs in development. These are great options, and I would encourage anyone with a patient or a contact who has an Energy One Fusion positive cancer to reach out to one of these centers. Uh, sometimes these centers can help in terms of, of coordination, travel, those types of things. You know, don't don't worry about the barriers. Just talk to somebody about these studies. These are important studies, but they're only options if you find the fusion. <laughs> right, and I think there are also expanded access options that you can reach out for. Um, really, these patients can significantly benefit from this intervention, so we shouldn't miss it. All right. Well, thanks, Afrat, uh, for for this dialogue and uh, for all the work that you're doing, and and certainly thanks to the audience uh, for participating. Thank you. This was an exciting conversation. You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is jointly provided by Global Learning Collaborative, GLC, and Total CME Incorporated, and is part of our Minute CME curriculum. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com slash CME. Thank you for listening.